<clears throat> I can see you. Hi. I need help finding... We're in a library. I'm looking for some old maps. Where do I find old maps? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what was... Uh, what a building was used for previously. What was at a place where this building is now. You're looking for your building? There's a new building there now. I want to find what was there before. Gabby? Oh, hello. This guy's looking for archives. Right. Yeah, I'm looking to figure out what a building used to be or what used to be in the place of a current building. Sure, dear. It sounds like you're looking for public records. Let me take you back. Great. Bye, weirdo. So here's our physical copies of our historic photos. Wow, this is fantastic. You may see some maps and blueprints in here. And if you need, I can set you up a workstation to browse the digital copies. This is going to be great. Thank you so much. You betcha, dear. Let me know if you need anything. Will do. Thank you. Uh, okay. Where to start? Um, maps. 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 Oh, maps. Okay. 91, 90, 89, 88. Blueprints, blueprints, oh, blueprints, okay. Historical photos. This feels weird. Where is this? Uh, okay, 5th Street and Main Street. 5th Street Oak, 5th Street, 4th Street, 5th Street, and 5th Street. Okay, Second Avenue, Shenandoah Street. Hmm. Wow, the park used to be big. Find where you put your building yet? <laughs> Can I get you a glass of water, sweetie? Water, water. Yeah, yeah, water. Yeah. Okay, here we are. 1982, the Automation Town Rail Initiative. The Automation Town Rail Initiative. Hmm. Uh, excuse me, Gabby. Yes, dear? Uh, it says here that this site was the site of the Automation Town Rail Initiative. Do you have a database I can search for, like, news stories, books, anything more about this? Sure, right over there. So double-click AutoNet here, and just select the search volumes on the left. Perfect. Thank you so much again for all your help. Okay. Automation Town Rail Project Rail Project Subway? The Subway. The Automation Town Gazette, October 9th. 1982. 
Subway collapse leaves dozens missing. A structural failure in the underground subway project Saturday has left dozens missing and city officials are fearing the worst at approximately 9.52. What the? Oh my gosh. Sorry, sorry, I gotta go. I'll be back though. Hey, Paul. Chad, get to the Grumley Center. What's up? Get to the Grumley Center. I just got a text from Buzz. Someone broke in. I'll see you in a few. Quick. This week, we're talking security. Got your nose. How do we ensure our data is safe and secure when it's bouncing around the universe? How do we automate responsibly and know where to draw the line? Stop it. Ouch. We're automating securely this week on Automation Town. I got your message. What happened? Is everyone okay? As far as I can tell, everyone is... Everything's just the way we left it. Did they steal anything? Nothing as far as we can tell. The only reason we really know for sure that someone did break in, because of Paul's motion sensors. Paul, you legend! So my spreadsheet for the front door... It's not a it, spreadsheet, Paul. Okay, my base for the front well, door... technically a table, but yeah. My table for the front door shows the sensor was tripped at 2.47 in the morning. I can see them coming in, then... A little bit later, actually about 45 minutes later, going back out. That seems like a long time. But get this. They didn't come in last night. They came in the night before last. And you just happened to see this from your motion sensors? The only reason I even thought to check was because Buzz texted me today saying there was a break-in and to look into it. So somehow he knew the place had been broken into? Yeah. Honestly, it doesn't surprise me. That guy kind of creeps me out. I bet there's cameras all over this place. So you guys have checked everything out? As far as I can tell, nothing's missing. Nothing's out of place. You took a look down here? Don't move woodblock. Yeah, everything in the machine room looks normal. How long are you going to keep those notifications on, Paul? It is a little weird you still have those on. Hey, I made a thing. Call it pride, okay? You did, and good for you. <sighs> well, we've got an hour until showtime. There isn't really any point in heading out, is there? Man, I hate the feeling that someone was in here who shouldn't be. It just kind of freaks you out. Like, you don't feel safe like you used to. Yeah. It's the age we live in. Break-ins? What do you mean? Security. Data management. All these apps we use. None of these apps are breaking and entering. Not in the literal sense. I'm going to go do some show prep. Okay. I feel like everything's trying to spy on us these days. You think Buzz is spying on us? What was that? Sorry, that was my big boom. Pardon? Big boom. You know, chili. Oh, is that canned chili? It's it every day. Oh. But yeah, it does feel like everything's spying on us these days, isn't it? I feel like our data goes more places than it used to go. And every time you're like exploring that new app, you're like, eh, do I want to open it up to one more thing? How much do I know about this app? It's scary. Like, 
you remember when like things would connect to your Google and be like, hey, authenticate yourself. And you'd be like, oh, this is easy. I don't have to put my password in. I'm just going to authenticate it. It's so easy. Like, that's the problem is they've made it so easy that you're like, oh, everybody can have my data. So in the beginning, you're like, yeah, I'll connect that. That makes a lot of sense. Let me connect it. And then as you get older and just more security conscious, you start reading the things that you're opening up to those apps and like you sink into your chair and you're completely enamored and you're like, oh, what did I just do? How do I turn this off? Can read all of your emails, can send and receive emails, can see your mother's birthday, can see all of your contacts. Can delete all your files. Yeah. That's my favorite. Oh, it's so scary these times when you when you have those OAuth 2 connections that just let you connect between your, you know, your identity that's already been confirmed in Google or your accounting software or your authentication stuff. It's it's pretty scary. So, I don't know. This is one of these discussions around security where just if there's one message to come out of this entire episode, it's just know what you're signing up for anytime you connect one app to another it can be it can be a pretty dangerous place i feel like the transparency has gotten better of exactly what you're exposing but it's like stops well short of like granular control so i find myself kind of manufacturing ways to withhold any more information than that thing absolutely needs so like, I think we even talked about this in a past episode. An example, let's say you're gonna run some email automations and you're using a service like Zapier. I will never connect my email system to Zapier. If I have a certain type of email that I want Zapier to automate for me, I'm gonna set up a rule in my email system and only forward to Zapier the emails that it actually needs to do that thing. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, it's looking at every single email saying, is this the one I want? Nope. Is this the one I want? Nope. And one in every 1,000 is the one that it actually grabs. When you're starting to learn the automations around email, it's really easy to connect your own personal email address. Like, oh, I'll just send this out from my email address. That makes a lot of sense. That's how we all start, right? That's when you're just like banging on the thing, <laughs> trying to get it to work. How does this work? And you connect all sorts of silly things. Yeah, and then... After it works the first couple times, you're like, oh, oh, I need to change that. I don't want that to live there if I'm sharing my logins with different people in the company. That's pretty dangerous. It's worth thinking about security. You got to look at like specific app security, but also from a higher level than that, from a practical standpoint. The fewer places that your data lives, the better. So to the point you just gave, what are the systems that are still connected to accounts that maybe you're not even thinking about? Right, like where are all the places that your data is parked right now, maybe unnecessarily, that is a great place to start by simply not leaving that stuff and yeah. practicing healthy, you know, data management hygiene. I've found myself anytime I'm signing up for a new service, as easy as it is to click connect with Google or connect with Microsoft, I'm still setting up username and passwords because I don't want that sort of debt, like the data debt to be just out there if I, you know, don't want to use this tool anymore. I don't know sometimes if you're trying a new app, what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Right. Look how many companies have gotten fines for using people's data inappropriately. Multiply that by a million. And that's probably what other people are doing that didn't get caught. So I don't know. I think we've, we've also grown up a bit to say, okay, we live in this world where our data is just going to be out there. We just live with it. But you can't live like that if you, you know, are 
in a field where you got to keep this stuff private and like you are acting on other people's behalves uh, with that data. You got to be careful. So I almost feel like anytime you start a new company, like there should be this idea of like, hey, don't do these things when you're connecting to tools. Or if you do, there's got to be a permission granted before you do something. Just general security consciousness is, is a really good skill to have. And you know, admittedly, I wish I had more of it because I feel like if I knew more, I'd be even more paranoid uh, than I already am. Yeah, especially hard when you run on a team and you're tasking them with doing certain things and there really isn't a great way to oversee how those systems or, or what things are being connected to what that gets really challenging. So I think where this rears its head most of the time for people is I see this shiny new thing and it could probably do X for me, but can I trust it? I don't know anything about it. Is it going to steal my lucky charms? Is it free? Well, then surely it's going to steal my lucky charms, right? <laughs> so what is your process for thinking through how can I trust this faceless product that I know nothing about with my data? I don't know. I, I've started to automatically start reading security pages. How about you? Have you ever been drawn to those? I do for some of the bigger things I use, like your Zapiers, stuff like that. I guess it depends on what level of data that thing requires. If it's getting like trivial data that doesn't really matter, I'm not too concerned. But if it's something where you pump a lot of different types of things or like you brought up other people's information, which I have to be like 10 times as careful with, mm -hmm. then yes, I at least want to understand like how they manage their own data. Well, I'll be very honest. Like when it comes time to trying new tools, I rarely use my own data. So I've got dummy Gmail accounts, I've got dummy free Airtable accounts, free Zapier accounts, and I use those to decide if I'm going to like an app. And if I do, and I feel like there's some effort to security and I want to start using it with real data, then I'll go do that. So having those throwaway accounts is, I think, pretty paramount to being able to not have all your information sitting out there in these sort of orphaned apps that you forget about, you know, a month later. Yeah, that's smart. Using burner account. What is, is that someone, Boy. is that someone at the door? Is that? Boys. Gil? Can I come in? How can I help you, Gil? Just a quick question for you about Live Love. Live Flow. I've got it all set up. It's pulling data from my QuickBooks file like we talked about last time. Okay. But I've got several companies, several different QuickBooks files, and I'm always okay. hopping around. Yep. Looking over here for this, looking over there for that. And I got to thinking, what if I pulled all those into Google Sheets? Yep. Can I? Yeah, LiveFlow does that. You can connect as many QuickBooks files as you like to your Google Sheets. As many so as if you I... wanted to put that company data side by side, you could. If you wanted to pull in different data from different companies into a single view or a single dashboard. Oh, my. Because LiveFlow syncs all that data to Google Sheets automatically, you just set it up once and you can design your own view that pulls data from as many QuickBooks files as you like. You boys, you've done it again. I gotta go. I gotta go try this. What a guy. Good grief, what a guy. What were we saying? Burner accounts. Yeah, burner accounts, good. Uh, real data, bad. But uh... <laughs> So things to look at when you're exploring your new apps, just general levels of security. You've got like your SOC2. What's the other one? There's another one like SOC2. Uh, ISO something? ISO... ISO, no, you nailed it. That's what it is, ISO something. <laughs> so 
it's good to keep an eye out for these certifications because it means they're inviting scrutiny on their system of how they manage their own data. But there's a lot more to it than just what's happening to your data when it sits there. A great example is Airtable. SOC2 compliant, but when you get into Airtable, there's a big giant share button on every single screen that you use. So if I pull my whole team in there, there's nothing to stop a team member from saying, hey, I'm gonna share this public link with somebody. So that data can be completely secure and nobody could ever get to it, but there's more like, there's more to it than that, I guess. <laughs> the humans are always the problem when it comes to data security. They really are, yeah. While we're on the topic of Airtable, I mean, if you are a user that has the ability to get that Airtable API key, you know, the one that you're using to set up with Zapier or set up with Make, right? that Airtable key, once you have it, you have access to all your bases. Yep. So be careful about who you give access to that too, because maybe that person doesn't need to sh press the share button anymore or worry about the SOC 2 compliance, you know, big data room that's protecting somebody. Somebody just copied a string and now they have access to all your stuff. Yeah. So understanding how the data can be accessed in any new app is pretty important, which is why it's good to understand how API keys work and how user authentication works and how all that stuff plays into just this general understanding of how security works with users. So like we've talked about, sharing is something to be really careful about, understand how things within an app can be shared. User permissions, what are specific users able to do? Is a user able to download every single file in the entire system and then do whatever they want with it? Is a user able to, like we talked about, switch a file from being private to public, stuff like that. You kind of have to, and not even through like any sort of insidious means, like not that anybody is planning to do anything evil. You just kind of have to expect the worst possible thing so that it can't happen on accident or intentionally. Like that's, you know, that's in my mind as a manager, that's my responsibility, whether it's intentional or not. I don't want to rely on somebody not making a mistake. That reminds me of like password apps. I think we're getting into this world where they're more common now. So using Dashlane or LastPass or 1Password or Key or all, all these cool apps mm -hmm. are great. But if you don't really understand the permissions and the settings that are available across your group, you could be exposing a whole bunch of stuff that you don't want to have exposed to the users of those tools. So checking off the ability to just be able to view them or to export them or to print them or to you know do any of those types of settings. Again, it's important to understand what your user permissions are and how they work really well, no matter how forward thinking from a security perspective you're trying to be by using one of those apps. Yeah, and the, the difference between password managers and single sign-on systems, like you said, a password manager, you can see all of the passwords that you have access to, whereas a single sign-on system will generally try to mask that from the user so that they couldn't then externally go and, and try to log into the same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think any security conversation would be complete unless you talked about user access, because I actually think this is the main cause of data leaks right now is somebody being able to log in as a user, not actually like the data itself getting leaked, but somebody with admin privileges, their user account getting accessed by a bad actor. Yeah, there's so much out there that if you if you only knew what people had access to through massive like hacking arrangements where passwords are shared and sold on the dark web and things like this, it would keep you up at night and it would push you to want to change 
your passwords as much as you can, but also implement things like 2FA and multi-factor authentication and anything you can do to, to enhance that security. But even some of that is flawed. Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard of somebody getting like SIM swapped before? Yeah, I know people that have been SIM swapped. So you go down to the local carrier and convince them that you're somebody else. You get a SIM card. And then if your multi-factor authentication is via SMS, the other person gets those SMS codes now. They get text to their phone. So yeah, MFA, like with an authenticator app, like I can't stress the importance of that enough. If I have a big gripe with apps right now, it's that they will support MFA, but not let you mandate MFA. And it's just like, it's just like the sharing analogy. That's great if it's a thing that you can do, but it's something as an administrator that you have to require. Like, I don't know why somebody would go in there and turn it off, but maybe a user gets set up and on accident, they didn't check that box. And all it takes is that one person. And it is so easy to get into an account without MFA. MFA solves so many of those problems, but I'm frustrated how many services right now have MFA, but don't give you the power to make MFA mandatory for all of the users. It's only a matter of time. Hopefully this just takes off faster than it should. But if you look at the last five years, we're using 2FA what, 100% or more than we used to in the previous five years. Yep. It's becoming more mainstream. So I just, I hope that there's a world where it's not so like SMS based and you've, you've got like the revolving code, whether it's through like a one pass or one password or a, or a last pass uh, or like an authy or just any one of these tools that will let you get revolving codes. Even though again, really, really smart people can get around that. The majority can't. And just that one setup could mean the difference between your data being leaked and your data not being leaked. So let's hope more people start using those. Hey guys, we're on in 10. Got it. Yeah, if there's one kind of bit of low-hanging fruit that will have a huge difference on your overall security exposure, it's multi-factor authentication on your Windows login, on the apps that you use. In 90% of cases, it is the easiest way in. Fun tip. The first thing that we do when a new employee starts is the password to their one password account uh. has to be a long phrase, something they've never used with any other password in their entire life and be incredibly long. Like how long? Like long enough. What's yours? Oh, it's like at least, <laughs> at least. Don't, no, don't actually say it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say it's bigger than 32 characters. So like a long phrase that, that tends to like peeve people off a little bit, Yeah. but at the same time, it's like, that is the key to a lot of information. Yeah. And if you get it wrong or you use a password you've used in the past, it's, uh, it's no bueno. But this is a great example of why MFA has to be a thing is you have a bunch of remote employees. One of them is peeved about this big, long passphrase. They write it on a post-it note, stick it on their laptop take the laptop to the library, forget it. doesn't matter how long it is. All it takes is that one person doing that thing that you're like, you gotta be kidding me. This person actually did this <laughs> or save it in an Excel file or took a screenshot on their phone of a password. Oh, if I had a dollar for every time I've seen that. Yeah, that's the power of MFA to me is like it's still, I, I just, there's so many ways, as long as you don't have MFA to me, there's so many ways that you can accidentally screw that thing up. So if I'm hearing you right, it's mandate MFAs, use password managers, 
make them long if you can and don't write stuff on your laptop monitor a strict no post-it note password policy don't take pictures of passwords i'm spiraling now chad is it time to go record oh do we gotta go broadcast yet i think it's time paul are we there yet yeah we have like eight more minutes uh, i didn't tell you guys earlier i was doing some research on on the building that used to be here at the grum center Ooh. oh what'd you learn so I think this used to be a subway station. Automation Town had a subway? I'm more of a Quiznos guy. Well, they almost had a subway. Yeah, wasn't there some sort of, I don't know, wasn't there some sort of accident there? There was a cave-in. My grandfather was an engineer on the project, and he actually passed away in the accident. Paul, I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I never met him, but it is sad. So the subway was never finished after that? Right. So the subway was never finished, but this site had to do with the construction. I think that they planned to build the subway station on top of it or something. I'm not totally sure. But after the accident, it just kind of sat here. The only photos I could find were after that. There was just a lot of chain link fence and random junk, like an abandoned construction site or something. So the machine room? I mean, maybe. The machine room's definitely older than six months, so... It's possible it was built while they were working on the original project. Wow. Kind of amazing you have that personal connection to it, Paul. To be honest, I'm not sure how to feel about it, but we should get going. We got a show to do. It's a fair point. I've always preferred rabbits. Uh, I think we've got time for two more. Daniel, you are live on Automation Show. How can we help? Hey, guys. Appreciate that you're talking security today. A question about security, though, as it pertains to video. We're doing more interacting with our customers via asynchronous video. So we record the video and then send it over to them. So what should we be considering with regard to security for that video? Thanks, guys. I love it. Thanks for the call, Daniel. I'm doing a lot of video myself. But yeah, you kind of got to think about what are the details you're sharing in that video and who should be able to get to them. Yeah, what tools are you using for the uh, the video sharing? 90% of the time it's Loom. Yeah, I'm a fan of that too. I know there's a lot of good ones and there's new ones popping up all the time. Yeah, every day. When you get into a groove, you're like, oh, this is actually just kind of working. And when they come up with new features that match the new features from these other ones, you're just like, all right, I'm pretty happy with this. But to Daniel's point, how do you secure that? Passwords come to mind. I think with Loom, you can set passwords yep. when you send them out, right? Yep. You can set passwords. I don't know if Loom will do this automatically, but they need to expire. Most of them are not things that need to exist forever. So like after 30 days, I want that thing to go away. So I'll go back and clean up my video library. That's honestly probably my best tip. Just don't let them sit there forever. Mm -hmm. I've seen some people too, where their company's paying for Zoom. So they might just record themselves on Zoom or share their screen if they're not using a tool like Loom. That video might live in the cloud when you record to the cloud. So if you're thinking about security, right. just remember that anybody that has admin access to the Zoom account has access to that video inside of Zoom. So if it's something that you don't want to be shared or accessed from somebody else, just make sure you record it locally and then send it off that way. Only other thing I'd add, most of these services will let you download the video itself. So like Loom, for example, you could always use Loom to capture and then put it somewhere else. Maybe you have a local server where you host that stuff for your team. 
maybe you put all that stuff in Vimeo, something like that, you can always move it to a different platform too. But good question. Thanks for calling, Daniel. Alicia, you are our last caller tonight. What can we do for you, Alicia? Hey guys, a question about Airtable. I've just started using it and I see they have a built-in automations. It looks like a Zapier sort of automation builder, but built straight into Airtable. Does this mean I don't need Zapier anymore? Is there something I can automate just with Airtable? Should I even bother using an external service like Zapier? That's it, thanks. Yeah, that is a trend. It's like they're building the automation straight into the app itself. Airtable kind of led the way here, but I'm seeing it more and more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just keep in mind, to fully and outright replace it with Zapier, you're not going to have a lot of the same applications that Zapier is going to have, and you might run into limits that you may not run into with Zapier. So there are those tiered automation limits inside of Airtable. Keep that in mind. For the pricing. Yep. And the Zapier system itself is going to have you know, thousands of more connections and a ton of more, more ways to automate. So I probably wouldn't get rid of Zapier just yet, but definitely give it a try and see if you can start automating more inside of the Airtable system. It's one of those things where it may take care of the easy 50%. It's never going to be as nuanced as that purpose-built tool, but for the most basic scenarios, it may get you by. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Alicia. That is it for us this week on Automation Show, where we spread a little bit of automation cheer every week. Great job, everybody. Here's your towel. I'm going to go hit the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. (sighs) How long do you think he's going to keep those things on? He's definitely proud. Cut him some slack. Mr. Buzz. Oh. Evening, gentlemen. Hey, Buzz. To how do we owe the... Welcome, Baron. Good news. All of this drama lately has given you two a huge bump in the ratings. It seems you've become the darlings of Automation Town. Wow, no one's ever called me a darling. And as a result, I'm giving you the 7 o'clock slot. Oh! What? Serious? Celebrate! You've earned It's like a dream come true. Paul, get out here! And I'd like to introduce you to your new sound engineer. Meet Amelia. Hi guys, so excited to work with you. Cool, so we're gonna have two engineers now? Amelia is my niece. And she'll be taking over Paul's duties moving forward. What? Uh. John. Oh, Buzz. Oh, uh, hello. Hi. My name's Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul, Mr. Buzz was just explaining how... Amelia here will be taking over for Paul moving forward. Taking over... I, okay, what will I Amelia be? will bring this show the professionalism it's been lacking. Too many mistakes over the last few weeks from callers getting through, the incident last night when you went completely off air. To be fair, Mr. Buzz, that wasn't Paul's fault. And to be completely honest, I'm still pissed you cut that conduit when that Jake character came on the show. You have no idea how much money that cost to replace. I'm sorry about that, sir. It just Not like only t- did you cut the power to the entire building, yeah, but you cut the power to every other building in the complex. I did notice that. The fiber line that's owned by our internet service provider. Yeah, I'm so The so- line we use to run the cable through a 20-foot underground conduit. Yeah, that's actually pretty serious. And destroyed my favorite titanium loppers in the process. 
Did he say loppers? The, the gardening shears, like little short, stumpy ones. Sir, that was just what, what I could find. Like, uh, Nevertheless, what's in the past is in the past. And now Paul is in your past, gentlemen. We'll get Amelia up to speed on our systems tomorrow, and I trust we won't miss a beat at your next 7 o'clock broadcast? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Until we meet again, gentlemen. It was nice meeting you all. Did I just get fired? Wow. Sorry, Paul. I guess I'll pack up my things. Come on, Chad. Let's give him a hand. Did you guys know? Absolutely not. We had no idea. This note isn't from you? No. Where did you get that? It was in my top desk drawer. It's not from me. Have you read it? No. Jeez. Well, this really sucks, Paul. What's going on? That was super unfair to you. No, it's not just that. It's Automation Town. I mean... What's going on in this whole town? It's been a weird week. This weirdo takes over our show. The mayor of a neighboring town is trolling me. Me. Who am I? The mess with the water? The machine room? It's weird. The earthquake? Or whatever it was? The monster under the grum? You know, I had this realization while we were recording last night. What's that? The night before last, I had a nightmare. I heard this voice in my sleep saying something. It's been stuck in my head for days and I didn't realize what it was until tonight. The voice was saying, spooky door. Like your motion sensor? Yeah, so I looked at my Airtable base, at the table for the motion sensors, in front of the big metal door in the machine room. From 2.51 to 2.55 a.m., the motion sensor was triggered 13 times. The metal door in the machine room. 35 minutes later, it was triggered again. They weren't breaking into the studio. They were breaking into... that. Is happening. The subway. My grandfather. Now Buzz. The subway. My grandfather. And Buzz. Let's call it a night, Paul. We'll follow up with you tomorrow. And we'll get to the bottom of this. Alright, guys. See ya. Take care, Paul. We need to tell him, don't we? Uh, I think it's unfair not to. The Capitol Underground, the mayor... The office with all the people working in it underground. I don't know what it has to do with what's going on here, but... Telling Paul feels like the right thing to do. Automation Town is written and produced by Chad Davis and Jason Statz. Edited by Paul O'Mara. Keep up with the characters of Automation Town on Twitter. At Automation Town.